Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our review series examines books, movies, music, and other media in the light of God's truth. We pray that it will be eye-opening, instructional, and beneficial for your daily walk with Christ. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing and our ongoing series of studies on hymns from our hymnals. We're taking a look at a Pentecost hymn. This coming weekend, we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as prophesied by Jesus himself and as fulfilled on that 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus. We have a number of hymns in our hymnal that are dedicated to the festival of Pentecost. And we're taking a look at one of those. This is the oldest one in the Lutheran hymnal. It was originally written in Latin and dates all the way back to the ninth century. Joining me to go through the study, Creator Spirit by Whose Aid is Pastor Ben Libby. Ben, looking in, looking forward to getting into uh, the background and history of this hymn. Yeah, this hymn is interesting. I think uh, if uh, you're in church this weekend and you are singing a Pentecost hymn, it's a good, there's a good chance you might sing this one. And when you do sing it, you might think to yourself while you are singing it, hmm, for about some of the lyrics in here. So I think it's good to kind of break it down a little bit, discuss it, and uh, and it's awesome to have such a uh, an old hymn that, that really uh, highlights uh, the person of the Godhead who usually gets the least amount of shine. So it is interesting that of all of the 52 or maybe 53 Sundays of the church here, we have only one that's relegated to the third person of the Holy Trinity. Right, yes. Is he uh, is he getting kind of the raw end of the deal here? Yes, but I think I say yes, but yes, but that is kind of the way it goes because that is who the Holy Spirit is. He His main job is to show forth uh, the Son and the Father. So he kind of takes a back seat, you would say, but uh, th- there's no way that anything gets done in the church in general without the Holy Spirit. He's usually the the kind of the, the unseen. I mean, all of God is unseen, but he really is the one who works behind the scenes. And he's the one who really, you know, motivates the church. So, yeah, I'd say that he does doesn't get enough uh, attention. And we should talk about him more than we typically do because... He's the reason that we have a church in the first place. Let's, before we go into the hymn itself, let's talk a little bit about the hymn writer who is a unique hymn writer. We have two of his hymns in our hymnal, but both of them happen to come into the Pentecost section. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Rabanus Maris uh, dates to the ninth century. He was writing, as you, if you take, if you have your hymnal in front of you, you can take a look at the top and the title of this hymn before it was translated is Vini Creator Spiritus Mentis. So it is Latin originally and was translated from the Latin into English by John Dryden. Uh, again, he wrote in our Lutheran hymnal, hymn 236. And if you back up just a couple of pages, he also wrote hymn 233, Come Holy Ghost Creator Blessed. Uh, died about 856. Any thoughts on this hymn writer? Well, I was doing a little bit of research on him, and it, yeah, that kind of seems to be his uh, his wheelhouse here, is talking about the Holy Spirit and writing hymns dedicated to him. Uh, it seemed like he was a, 
a German fellow who, even though he was writing in Latin, uh, he he the backstory is he's had a kind of a long, interesting life in the, the church at the time, the kind of the medieval church, and uh, eventually was elevated to the status of of a priest. And he was a kind of a poet, too. And you can kind of see in uh, in this hymn, Nathaniel, that he has a very interesting way of looking at things. It's it's very unique. And sometimes you can make things pretty simple, too. But at the same time, yeah, like I said in the introduction, if the English worshiper is going to sing the sim, an eyebrow might be raised. So, yeah, he would have been, you know, Germanic descent of some kind. So mm-hmm. the location where he would have lived would have been what, what would become Germany later on. Obviously, it wasn't Germany at the time that he was right. alive. But mm-hmm. and writing in Latin, Latin would have been the language of the, the church at that time, especially in that part of, of Europe. Let's go into the hymn itself. When we think about Pentecost, we think about that day that has the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as you commented, the opening verse doesn't really get into that very much. In fact, it takes us to a very different source of the the origin or the working of the Holy Spirit, which, like you said, might not be expected for a Pentecost hymn. So let's go into verse 1. We're going to see this theme kind of throughout this entire hymn, too. So verse 1, hymn 236, Creator Spirit, by whose aid. Creator Spirit, by whose aid the world's foundations first were laid. Come, visit every humble mind. Come, pour thy joys on humankind. From sin and sorrow set us free to make thy temples worthy thee. Well, like you were saying there, Nathaniel, uh, that first line, creator spirit by whose aid the world's foundations first were laid. In my mind, I'm uh, educated by the catechism and the first article, we know God the Father is the one who works creation. In the second article, God the Son is the one who does the redemption. And in the third article, we know that is the Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies. Yet, he starts off by uh, saying the world's foundations were laid by this creator spirit. Um, so typically, I don't think we would think of the Holy Spirit necessarily as being that involved in the act of creation. But of course, we know that the whole Trinity was there, was making the world. Uh, it's late in other parts of scripture. Jesus is, you know, also mentioned specifically as being their creation. Uh, without him, nothing was made, which was made. Uh, it's certainly in Genesis, we see the spirit of God hovering on the face of the water. So you have to imagine that, well, yes, well, well we think of it in the, in the, in the way of the apostles creed, we think of it as you know god the father doing the creating but at the same time of course everything it's it's the whole act of god you know this is triune it's a triune act so do you have any thoughts on that topic nathaniel i've always well i've come to think that when we divide our catechisms up in the way that you described there that we actually do the father a little bit of a disservice because you're right god the son was involved in the work of creation god the holy spirit was involved in the work of creation i've often wondered if maybe a better way to describe the work of god the father would be using the word or the the doctrine of election 
mm. as opposed to creation. But obviously, the doctrine of creation is something that we want to get across and we want to incorporate in our study of the catechism and our understanding of God's word. So I think that's that's why we generally do that. But it is beautiful to see Genesis 1 verse 2 brought out here, the, the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. He was there at the very beginning of the creation, and he was active in the creation of this world in which we live. And, and if we think about that as a, as a foundation, then of course he would be able to carry out this other work that we're asking him to do. Just like with God the Father, if he is the creator God, if he is Jehovah God and part of that trinity, then of course he's capable of doing the deliverance that we're asking from sin and sorrow set us free. That's a request. It's a prayer. Right. And I, like from that same perspective that I was talking about before, from sin and sorrow set us free, you'd think maybe I'd be talking about Jesus. But really, I mean, the Holy Spirit's involved in everything here, you know, and I think what's kind of interesting the hymn writer is pleading the Holy Spirit to pour thy joys on humankind. You know, you think like you were talking about Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, the gifts that were poured and here. So that's pretty common here too. And then that last line, I think is interesting. Also make thy temples worthy. Thee. This is more or less, you know, that idea of first uh, Corinthians chapter six. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So it's more or less a personal plea here to, okay, you created the world, Holy Spirit, visit mankind, pour down on us here the, the joy that your work produces, which is the joy found in the gospel, set us free from sin and sorrow. That's what the gospel does, right? It, it sets us free from those things and make us our, you know, make us worthy temples to for you to live in it really is if you think about it it really does check off all the boxes here for law gospel sanctification you know and you think about the holy spirit and sanctification specifically but he's a very integral part in all those things you know <laughs> the the law the gospel this and sanctifying us to produce good works so i think it's a really if you, you could just sing this stanza and not really think of too hard about it, like this, like what we're talking about is probably adding some things in there, but I think it's pretty important to, to yeah, to kind of realize these things and say the Holy Spirit is very integral and we need his aid to have law, gospel, and to live a good, holy, sanctified life. I, I agree with you. I think that those last couple of lines do a nice job of bringing in what we do generally consider to be the work of the Holy Spirit in the catechism, which we call conversion, mm -hmm. bringing us to faith, and sanctification, which is what that whole last line is, that we are the temples of God, the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say? That God desires our sanctification, and the Holy Spirit brings that about, and that means making us worthy of the calling that we have received. That is not us. That is God, the Holy Spirit, that brings that about. He's the one who makes us worthy temples of God through the work of sanctification. And that's something that doesn't end until finally the Lord takes us home. That's an ongoing process for us. Yeah, certainly. All right, verse 2. This one might be one of the most difficult of all of the verses in here. Again, it starts back with the creation again, but then he goes forward from there. It brings in a little bit of the doctrine of the Trinity as well. Verse 2. O source of uncreated light, 
the Father's promised paraclete, thrice holy font, thrice holy fire, our hearts with heavenly love inspire. Come and thy sacred unction bring to sanctify us while we sing. All right, take us into that verse. Okay, so I'll handle some things here, and then I'm going to throw it back to you, Nathaniel, because this could be a Jeopardy uh, (laughs) uh, hymn stanza here. Uh, Okay, so first off, the first part of that stanza, source of uncreated light. That is a hard thing to think of, but when when we're in heaven, you don't need the sun, you know, the physical sun that our earth here today rotates around because God is the light and so is the spirit. Uh, It's a very, you know, biblical idea to your, your light and your spirit. It's that those two ideas, I think are very often connected, I would say. And then here, um, the father's promise paraclete. Not a lot of people I don't believe would understand what paraclete means and there's a good reason for that paraclete is greek or maybe it's more latin-ish it like the actual word but it comes from greek and basically so here's a verse that you would find paraclete in the original greek let's read john 16 7 this is the words of jesus here nevertheless i tell you the truth it is your advantage that i go away for if i do not go away the helper will not come to you if I depart, I will send him to you. He's talking about Pentecost there. And that helper is what paraclete means. So just a fancy way of saying the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. He's, it's kind of like in the Greek, it's kind of like a legal term, like one who would uh, give a defense for, or in, in more, it could also be more general, one who helps out, one who helps you along by your side kind of idea so the holy spirit is that uncreated light because he is god he's eternal Uh, he's light and he is truth and he is a helper now i would like to get your thoughts nathaniel on thrice holy fount fight thrice holy fire yeah this is an interesting i think there's a couple of different ways that you could take this when we think of three what do we usually think of randy we think of the trinity yeah so I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with this idea of the fact that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all active in these different areas, with the exception of redemption, which only the Son accomplished for us. The act of creation was God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, but also the work of conversion. While we we do talk about that primarily being the Holy Spirit, we see that the work of uh, of salvation as a whole is it comes from this triune God, the fount, that's the source, you know, where we come from. And obviously, like you talked about, oh, source of uncreated light. The Holy Spirit was the one who created that light on the first day of creation. There was no source of it like the sun, but he was there bringing that about. And then the idea of fire is the idea of purity and, and judgment, justice being brought about. And the Holy Spirit does that in us as he He cleanses us from our sin through faith. Jesus does that through his work of atonement on the cross. You know, so you have this idea, I think, of the Trinity. Fount makes me think of water or baptism. 
And fire makes me think of Pentecost. You know, he had the tongues of fire on the head. Um, and what it what's it saying? What it what it's saying there is to it's it's all for it goes to the next stanza or the next verse there are hearts with heavenly love inspire. So the fountain, the fire inspire our hearts to love. And I think that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does too. Once you have the, the means of grace, you know, word and sacrament given to you, it can have that effect in your hearts. You know, like the Emmaus disciples said, did not our hearts burn within us when they were walking on the road with Jesus? And I think we feel that way too, when the Holy Spirit's at work, you know, I mean, there are certainly times where we don't feel like that. And it's still, you know, like everything you were talking about is still true. But when sometimes you can really feel that edification, that, that burning heart, and I think that was certainly the case on the Pentecost. And uh, we feel that sometimes in church too. And maybe even when we're singing a hymn, just like this. So that's all part of the Holy Spirit. But what is sacred unction? Unction, it's, it's tied to oil mm-hmm. and the application of oil. And this tells us, it gives us an adjective there, sacred Unction. So I think of going back to what you just commented on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, baptism, Pentecost, all of that. Uh, come and thy sacred unction bring. There's this I, anointing idea of of giving blessing, and not not just anointing with with a physical oil, but of of outpouring, like you mentioned in the first verse, pouring out the blessing of God upon his people and that wasn't just true on pentecost the day of pentecost that is something that the holy spirit has been doing ever since the day of pentecost through his word through his sacraments he continues to bestow his blessing in in this anointing you might think of our baptism when we were children or maybe for some of you who are listening as adults this outpouring of god's blessing upon us as he chooses us and he he cleanses us from our sin and, and notice the connector there, come and thy sacred unction bring, for what purpose? To sanctify us. We're right back to sanctification again, to, to change us. And that can be an immediate change. We are converted, we are brought to faith when we are baptized as a child or, or as an adult. But it's also that ongoing process of sanctification that continues on throughout our lives as he brings us to know what he desires for us. And that again, comes through the knowledge of the word. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I like the idea too of even going to, you mentioned the the sanctification, but I think to sanctify us while we sing. So it's kind of a neat idea. He's, He's imploring the Holy Spirit, the helper, you know, the holy fire, the fount, the the one who anoints us, and he's imploring him to make these praises that we are singing acceptable, uh, a good offering, you know, a good way of worshiping, uh, sanctify it, you know, make it holy, because that's what sanctification is. And it is holy through the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, so it's a really neat idea of the Holy Spirit coming and being with us, in us, helping us, moving our hearts to praise the, the triune God, the Father, the Spirit, the Son. And that's what the Holy Spirit really does. That's his active work is to get us 
us stubborn sinners and turn our our stony hearts into hearts that beat for him and hearts that desire to sing his praise from stone to flesh yes yep all right let's go into verse three not a whole lot easier but uh, let's go into verse three (laughs) plenteous of grace descend from high rich in thy sevenfold energy make us eternal truths receive and practice all that we believe give us thyself that we may see the father and the son by thee i love this verse uh very beautiful and it kind of ties back into what you started off with why we don't celebrate the holy spirit every sunday but one time a year is where the the church years designated that because as you pointed out in john 14 15 16 17 his purpose is to direct us to the Father and the Son and the work that the Son has done for us. So it kind of brings that verse out. Uh, but go ahead, get into verse three. Yeah, like you said, it, it really highlights what the function of the third person of the triune God is. It's to get us to see the other two. And uh, like plenteous grace, we think there too, I would think of more of Jesus when I think of grace, right? Uh, but of course, the only reason we know that we have that undeserved love from our savior is by the helper by the holy spirit if we don't have the holy spirit we don't have the word if we don't have the word we don't have the son who speaks the word and we don't have the father therefore so it's all kind of it's all one process and so grace is found in jesus but we get there through faith you know (laughs) given to us by the holy spirit uh so since i always seem to pass the buck here and give you kind of the, the tough questions. I'm just going to tackle sevenfold energy here. And what I think that means, I'm not saying I'm right, but if I had to just guess what the author was going with there, the, the in the hymn, it says rich in thy sevenfold energy. And I think the number seven is kind of a number of completion in the Bible. You think there are seven days in the week. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily an important number in the context of energy, but I think the whole picture there is this complete energy. Maybe it's even talking about going back to creation once more, seven days in the week. But I think the whole idea there is rich in your complete energy. And then that kind of takes, that's what he's wanting here. He's want, he wants grace and this complete energy to, descend upon us do you have any thoughts on what i just said nathaniel (laughs) the first thing that so there's a you're right the number seven is so prevalent in the scriptures so we have a stained glass window in our church that has the seven candles of revelation the candlesticks representing the seven churches. again the number seven is a pretty significant one with the spirit in the middle of that right and another idea i think that you kind of touched on there nathaniel is uh that sometimes gets associated with the spirit I think of like the the dismissal, the blessing, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that fellowship of the spirit kind of works in a, on a couple different levels. You have the Holy Spirit, like we were talking about propping up the son and the father, but then he's also with them. But then this, the mystery of the fact that the Holy Spirit also is in the believer in our hearts he he is in us spiritually um he makes it's like this 
this union, you know, that, that God is inside of us because we believe we have, we are the temple of the Holy spirit. So here, what the hymn writer is asking is let, give me, give us your grace, give us your energy so that we may see eternal truths. And of course, there is no way that we could understand the eternal truth of the word of God without the Holy Spirit. He is the helper that allows us to do that. Um, And also practice what we preach, you know, practice all that we believe. The only reason we're able to do the things that God instructs us to do in his word is by the Holy Spirit. If we don't have him, I can't do anything good. I'm just going to keep on doing bad. So give us thyself that we may see the father and the son by thee. The only way we can do anything in the Bible that God commands is by the spirit. The only way that we can see Jesus as the son of God, the savior of the world is by the Holy spirit. So we need him inside of us. And I think that's what this verse is really kind of illustrating here. Let's go into the last verse. A lot of our hymns end with what we call a doxology. Do you want to tell a little bit about what a doxology has been? Sure. So a doxology basically is, it's a closing. It's like a blessing. But the way that a traditional doxology will go, it's kind of like I was just saying there before, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. It's triune. You know, it's a triune blessing. And you see that happening a lot in uh, like the last stanza of uh, certain hymns, like we have that here in this hymn. If you uh, get the new uh, LSB, Lutheran Service Book, they'll mark it specifically with a a, a triangle, I believe, to kind of show that this right. is this is a doxology, is talking about the Trinity. And traditionally, when something like this was sung in the church, I believe the people would stand, correct? That's correct. And that was the whole purpose of putting that triangle in the Lutheran Service Book is to make it really easy for they put it at the very beginning of the verse so before the the verse begins right before the number four or whichever verse number it is so that people realize at the end of that previous verse they stand up for the singing of the doxology because it proclaimed the trinity the reason that i bring that up ben is because you mentioned that this is this is a doxology and if you go to that table on page 838 you'll see at the very end this hymn is listed as one of those general doxologies the problem is this one is not as obvious as some of the other ones that we are very, very familiar with. You know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. Holy Ghost. So this one, let's go into that, though. Let's look at verse 4, and as we read through this, listen for the three persons of the Godhead in this general doxology. Verse 4, immortal honor, endless fame, attend the almighty Father's name. The, the Savior, Son, be glorified, who for lost man's redemption died. And equal adoration be, eternal paraclete, to thee. All right, last verse. Okay, so of course, like we talked about the paraclete, that's the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't say spirit here specifically, but he is, that's what that is. Um, and what's he asking for? He's asking for immortal honor and endless fame for the father's name um so like we said before the holy spirit points out the father he wants like uh we need to yeah have honor and give 
uh, the father worship, you know, because he, he is God the father. Uh, the Savior Son be glorified who for lost man's redemption died. There you have the work of redemption attributed to Jesus Christ. Of course, that's why he died. He died because he needed, he was going to redeem us from our sins. And equal adoration be eternal paraclete to thee. So kind of, he's saying, praise God. Praise God the Father. Praise God the Son. Praise God the Holy Spirit. Um, give that, make the e equally immortal honor and fame be to the Holy Spirit as well. Equal to what you're going to give to the son equal glorification give to the spirit as well it's kind of like a it's a bless it's a doxology that kind of it really invokes everything and it says give all this to the father give all this to the son give all this to the spirit and guess what give it give everything to you give to the spirit give to the father it's that whole triune idea that the, the, it's three in one our god is one you know it's a very hard idea to get across but that's the beauty of having these as we go through, you know, the season of Pentecost. And then next weekend, when we have the season of Trinity, then that idea comes up as well. So very uh, important idea to praise our God, the three in one, uh, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, and the paraclete, the helper who, help, who helps us get to those truths. I noticed that at the end of this hymn, he comes back to that use of the Greek word that you mentioned earlier, paraclete, a beautiful word used by Jesus in on Monday, Thursday evening as he described the coming of God, the Holy Spirit. This one who was the one that you could call to your side, the one who was your advocate. Sometimes it's translated advocate or helper, comforter. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you will find an English translation that will just give you the Greek and says paraclete, uh, which like you said, most people aren't going to understand what that word is, but a beautiful and very, very descriptive word for what the Holy Spirit does for us. Let's take a listen to this hymn. Again, Ben mentioned earlier on that this, if you come to church on Pentecost Sunday, there's a good chance that you will sing this hymn. It's a more familiar one of the Pentecost hymns. We'll listen to this hymn and then we'll get your final thoughts, Ben.
Creator Spirit, by whose aid? Any closing thoughts on the hymn in general, Ben? I think it's just a very, it's a very good hymn for us to sing. And why is that? Because it really, it really worships our God and in the way that he is described to us in the word, you know, about the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Praise the Spirit. You know, I think that's something that's very important to do as well. Like we said, he doesn't get he doesn't get a lot of attention all the time, but you have to realize that there's a reason for that. And he should still he is still very much worthy of our praise. Um, creator spirit, he creates. He has created not only uh, the world's foundation, not only uncreated light or, or created light, I suppose, but he he creates inside of you the Christian faith and it is that faith that allows you to believe in Jesus as your savior and it is that faith in Jesus which allows you to have a connection to the father and and yeah it's just it's an awesome biblical hymn that might be a little confusing if you don't understand exactly what he's talking about um, but hopefully now after going through this hymn will help people kind of understand some of the topics he's talking about because it really is an awesome poetic uh, praise song and we should we should sing this with all our hearts our burning hearts praising our God for what he has done for us yeah this as we as I take a look at this hymn this is one of those hymns that I think is a perfect hymn to do a hymn study on because it's not simple you can't just sit down and, and sing it for the first time and say, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of deep theological truths that are brought out in this that are not just apparent on the surface. But as we go through a study like this, it helps us to dig into it a little bit more deeply. And, and then it becomes much more valuable to us as we sing it, more meaningful as we sing it, when we realize the depth of the riches of the theology that's found in these hymns, not only in the the basic truth of the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, flames of fire, and they spoke in tongues, but the fact that he was there present at the creation of the world, and that he continues the work of creation of the of faith in our hearts and the ongoing work of sanctification in our lives making us a worthy temple before god those are beautiful pictures that really describe very well what pentecost is really all about so thank you for taking us through this ben very very worthwhile hymn to take a look at we pray that it has also been a blessing to our listeners and that it has enriched their own study of the hymnal and their singing of hymnody as well we pray that the lord would bless you through the celebration of pentecost this weekend and that we would be reminded of all that god the holy spirit has done and continues to do and accomplish in our lives in order to bring us into the kingdom of god thanks be to him we'll see you next time we invite you to join us every week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast, where we will continue to proclaim Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior for sinners. Until next week, take comfort in the fact that God is your rock and ever-present help in trouble. <laughs>